Hi, and thanks for downloading the MyMac Podcast. I'm Tim Robertson, and you're listening to show number 203, sponsored by Otherworld Computing. The next generation of radio, it's the MyMac.com Podcast. And it's Thursday night, so that must mean I'm recording the MyMac podcast. I'm Tim Robertson. I'm the publisher of MyMac.com and the host here of the show. And we're joined by four people right at the top of the show because we're going to kick it off with Sam Levin's Cool Mac Picks. But before we get to that, let's go around and introduce ourselves, starting with Guy Searle. Hello, Guy Searle. Hey, Tim. It's another wonderful Thursday evening. The weather here in uh, chilly Michigan is just that chilly and uh I, I love this weather. I love it when it starts getting cold out. Weather. Yeah, I love it. October is my favorite month every year. I don't know why. I think it's something to do with I, I really started getting into uh, a Sony Walkman and listening cassettes back when I was a kid in October, probably 1982, 1983. And so I've, I always have this the smell of burning leaves and crunching leaves underfoot and a chill in the air and wearing a jacket and listening to music on my headphone that no one else could hear. Right. You ever have anything like that? Was that a, a big thing for you? Uh, I used to. I used to mostly ride my bike. I, you know, I had. I had. It, it wasn't quite the Sony Walkman. Uh, I don't even remember. It was some off-brand. But I would, you know, clip it to my belt and just ride around on my bike in the the wilds of South Florida. David Cohen, what was the uh, growing up in England? What was that like in the fall? Uh, cold and wet. Cold and wet. <laughs> I mean, it's very, it's very, very wet here, and, and in fact, this week we've just had our first sort of um, uh, autumn weather, where you know it's gone really sort of wet and cold, and we've got a lot of northerly winds at the moment, so it's uh, it's not it's not overly pleasant actually. So, what, so what's get, what's the average temperature this time of the year there? Oh, it's not it's not cold by Michigan standards, but it's you know it's down down around about sort of um, I think it's going to drop down to about five four four degrees centigrade tonight, so uh, about thirty two. You know, uh, sort of fro- fro- yeah, frosty weather, um, but but it's the it's the dampness that gets you. Yeah, you know, it kind of yeah, really si- yeah, it kind of seeps into you. This this week we've had the central heating on for the first time, and of course, uh, gas prices have jumped fifty percent since this time last year. So it's kind of hurting a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you, you hesitate to turn up that heat any more than you have to because it's really going to cost you now, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Rich Lefko, you are the big weather guy. What's the weather like there in the uh, northeast? We definitely have a fall weekend coming here in the northeast. It's going to be uh, cool. We're going to be in the 30s at night and uh, in the uh, in mid-50s to 60 uh, during the day. I'll tell you, I flew in from Washington, D.C. Uh, this afternoon. Yeah, my arms are tired. And uh, <laughs> uh, i got to tell you. I got to tell you, flying over New Hampshire today uh, with the leaves changing, you know, and and being up that high, it was absolutely gorgeous. Really? Looking down. Yeah. Very pretty. So you haven't been on the show in uh, a little while, I think, other than the um, uh, Desert Island show with David Cohen. But you haven't been on the podcast proper in quite a while. I thought I'd have you back on. I'm glad you consented to come on. It's been a while. Well, thanks for having me on. I got rescued from the island last week. (laughs) And last but not least, Sam Levin. Hello, Sam Levin. Hello there. So what's cold to you? 
Well, you know, I grew up in the Midwest, in Indiana. Right, so, so and nothing's cold to you there in California. Uh, mm, well, we get kind of two seasons. I mean, maybe three if you're lucky, but uh, cold is like maybe 35 degrees for maybe a month and a half out of the year. And then, you know, in the daytime, it's 50 degrees. So it's different, but, you know, growing up, it was the same temperature for you, Tim. Yeah. It was the same. I mean, there's no difference I don't believe between Michigan unless you're next to the lake uh, or lakes. But um, and then you know out here it's you know you've got uh, you've got the six months of the year that is just fantastic and it's kind of warm. It's this isn't L.A. weather. Remember, it's Northern California and people keep forgetting. You know they always think it's just palm trees and and beaches. That's not it. It's 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 the rainy season for four months out of the year. So in about two. December, January, February, March, and April, that's rain, like every other day. Hmm. So that's the, that's the difference between uh, where I reside in Northern California, which is 20 miles north of San Francisco, versus you know, Santa Barbara or something like that. But right. um, it's beautiful weather. So, Sam, you're actually featuring one of the products that I'm very interested in this week on the Cool Mac Picks, mm-hmm. and that's the Logitech pure fi dream this is a really cool looking product and i'm glad you're going to talk about it because i want to personally know more about this right well let's get into it that is one of our well that is our cool mac and i i put it for mac guys i I call it a mac pick because i'm really into speakers because macs have such lousy speakers they just do there's they just they always have they always have and i'm waiting for them to team up with Harmon. Uh, like Harman has done with many other companies, computer manufacturers. But this isn't about you know that. The, the point is is that I'm into audio fidelity, and I've always got speakers plugged in uh, to my Mac or MacBook Pro right now. So Logitech's come up with the uh, kind of a small boombox called the Purify Dream. Now it took them over a year to actually come out with this since they debuted it for the media and they did that and they waited because of the 3g iphone and they wanted to make sure the authentication chip was built in so that it supported it without that buzz you know the the gsm buzz right yep so basically the the logitech um purify dream is this really really nice looking black lacquer finish um ipod speaker of course it's got uh, jacks in the back so you can plug it into your Mac, your PC, or any other MP3 player that uses an audio jack. Um, which is all of them. Which is all of them. But they've gone above and beyond, in my opinion, just building an iPod boombox. The remote is backlit. That's a big deal. If you're in a dark, dark room like your bedroom and you, you, you're searching for the next song. So it's got that built into it. The other thing, guys, is that you can wave your hand over the top and it turns the the controls on it's it's like i call it the james bond move huh. so you just wave your hand over it and it's got a motion sensor built into the device so the controls will turn on they'll, they'll light up 
So oh, I, th- that's cool. I think that's cool. Plus, that same motion control sensor is basically built into the snooze. So if you've got your alarm set uh, to turn on, you can wave your hand over and it turns it off. Oh, that's yeah, bad. Well, I'll be flailing over that all, all morning long. It's, yeah, that's kind of dangerous, actually. It's, it's called motion sensing snooze, and I know you all want one of those for your wives. <laughs> yeah, I, I so, think it's called Tim Tim's late getting the kids to school feature. Exactly. Yeah, I notice so, on the and the remote control has a snooze button on it too. I think I would just wear wear the remote around my neck at night or yeah, something. Yeah, but the thing is, you're waking up. It's you don't you're not going to use a remote. You're going to either pound the thing or you're going to just you know go hit something you don't have to anymore just move your hand over it it automatically turns it off which i like it. I, yeah I, I like how it's got the 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 track display on the front as well it also like exactly it shows the tracks it shows the names that are displayed of you know how many times you say oh what's playing and um yeah. it's you know anyway i i think they've done a really nice job the remote is well done the design is really well done. It supports all the iPods up to the 3G iPhone, so you don't have to worry about oh turning the iPod, uh, excuse me, iPhone into um, you know into the airplane mode, which is a big deal. Um, and uh, it's 199 bucks. We've included the link to Logitech. Now, remember, guys, they make a host of other speakers. We're gonna we're not gonna talk about those today, but they make a number of other devices uh, and new line of keyboards for the Mac. Uh, and we'll get into that probably next week because I'm a big keyboard fanatic as well. Since you know, a lot of companies have waited and waited and waited, but. Logitech has done a really nice job with that. So check it out. It's called Purify Dream. Tell them and to send me some keyboards, too. We'll, we'll really talk about it on the show because I like keyboards as well. Oh, that's that's fine. Um, they're, they're actually, the PR at Logitech are absolutely fantastic. And then um, what else about that? But it's a, it's a really, really nice unit. Also, it plays the radio so that if you want to listen to radio, you can listen to that as well. Is there still the uh, radios out there? I mean, they they still have. Uh-huh. They actually still. That's because I I haven't listened to the radio. I take that back. I listen to NPR quite a bit. That's, this is really nice looking. Uh, it really is. Really, it's really a nice looking unit. I could see myself though taking out a lot of lamps as I'm waving my hands over this thing. Oh no, you you, you wouldn't. It's um it's actually one of the nicest. Um, I wouldn't call it a boombox per se, but. It's for your for your nightstand. It's really well done. So that's called Logitech Purify Dream uh, from Logitech, of course. One hundred ninety nine dollars. One ninety nine. It's listed. We will put that on there. And then uh, also, I figured we'd talk about cool app picks. Now, one of them, Tim, I forgot to email you and and uh, the rest of the uh, my Mac folks. But I'll talk I'll talk to you about that in a second. The first one is called. Grocery IQ, and that's from a company called Free State Labs. And actually, Grocery IQ was on Apple's uh, app pick, their uh, application picks, as of last night. So um, they're getting a lot of notoriety, and I guess for a good reason. Grocery IQ is basically, I call it uh, the ultimate grocery shopping list for your iPhone. And it's got some intelligence built into it. They built into to Grocery IQ, 130,000 database of 
products. Wow. So things that you shop, it's got predictive typing. So you create your list uh, at home or wherever. You type B-R-E-A. It understands you're looking for bread, and it will ask you. It'll say bread, wheat, whatever, and you just select the list that pops up. Very, very well done. It not only does that, it gives you the aisles and different names of the aisles, and you can rename that. So, for instance, how many times do you guys go into the store and keep looking for different items and you keep forgetting where the heck they are? All the so, time. Right. This allows you to now put the aisle in that exact order so you know where you're going to go to buy your products. It also creates favorites. If you want to create a favorite of things that you're always shopping for, which, of course, Tim, you're going to buy baby milk or baby products or diapers every other week or whatever that is, you know where to get it, which aisle. So it keeps track of that as well. Now, I think that they've done a decent job, but I, I say it's about a 20% product. Out of 100%, it's 20 But what's exciting is what's coming. And I think if they do this right and link with all the major shopping companies or grocery stores, then it becomes a whole different ballgame. So they place coupons there so it knows, hey, oh, Tim's going shopping for coffee. We're going to give him a special deal. That's where the rubber meets the road. And I think they're going to build that in in the next major upgrade. So that is why I call it a cool app picks because – I think it's going to be unreal in the next three to six months. Right now, it's a decent product, but I think it's going to be killer once they build those uh, set of rules and CRM functions into the app. Actually, I had uh, posted the story up there at App yep. Minute about this application, yep. and uh, he emailed me back, hey, thanks a lot, appreciate it, and he says, Apple actually featured us this week and sent me the link, and I replied and I said, great, that means you're going to be rich. You'll probably make at least a quarter of a million dollars. Well, <laughs> he yeah, thinks we, I was joking and I'm not. I, he, well, because I Apple's know. features that $5 program featured on, you know, Apple gives it a lot of PR right there. Right, right. That's going to sell a lot of product for him. Right. Well, I, I don't know if it'll be a quarter million, but it could be. But that's chump change compared to building uh, online advertising and putting traffic through that from Companies like Safeway, Rayleigh's, all that, that's where the money is made. Yeah. And also making the, the list build. State Labs, it's $4.99. It's called Grocery IQ. We've listed it. And the last uh, app, I forgot to put this on the list to you guys. I'll put it on now. Is from a company called Madomi. And actually, the product is called Madomi Mobile. And this is a free application, M I D O M I. And it allows you to uh, put your iPhone up to a speaker, sing, hum, uh, type, uh, basically, you know, in front of the in front of your iPod or iPhone, and basically it will recognize what song you're you're searching for in any of those types of search mechanisms. I was singing a song next to it; it picked it up. It was a stick song. I, I couldn't believe it. It finds it or it finds the song that it thinks it's recognizing it, gives you a list, and you can listen to it. It will go to YouTube, different links to YouTube that it finds. It's I would say it's pretty remarkable, and you know, it's free. I, I tried this application, Sam. I was singing into it, and then yeah. when I stopped, 
Um, the only song that it thought I, it, that I was singing and it said, don't quit your day job. So I, I don't know. Uh, but no, it, it, it actually, the first time I used it was placing it, uh, in front of the car radio and this car radio is not that good. It, it got it spot on the song. I forgot what it was, but it recognized it. And then I sang into it. It recognized it. If you don't want to do that, you could type the name of the song and I'm blown away, and it's free. I can't believe it's free. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the Shazam. Yeah, Shazam does this, but the problem is Shazam has to hear actual music. And yes. I found with Shazam that sometimes, particularly if there's background noise or there's somebody talking over the music, say it's on the radio, it will it will often not not pick up the track. So right. I'd be interested to see whether whether this is better and has better accuracy. I, I, I really like Shazam, though. I, I've got Madomi. Yeah, I, I, I got that, too. And I, I haven't really put it through its paces, but I have put Shazam through its paces. And I found it as about 80%, which is pretty darn good. I mean, 80%, right. it's, it's almost like magic. I mean, 80% of the time, it knows whatever this music is in the background. And kind of like the Madomi, Sam, it will give you links to the iTunes store. It will give you links to right. YouTube, to the videos. It's amazing. Right. Now, this still has the issues about background noise, David. It, they're all going to have that issue. But when, you know, the fact is, is that you can do this in multiple ways on Madomi. You could sing into it. You can say the words. You can grab it from the radio or you could type. Yeah. I don't think Shazam has all those. Built no, in. Shazam, Shazam has to hear actual music. So uh, Yeah, you can't sing you, to it. Yeah, the fact that you can hum, hum a tune you've heard, I think, is, uh, is really quite good. I'm just blown away. So that's my uh, my second and last cool app pick for today. And I think between those, you know, you've got some great stuff. Next week, we'll talk about some of the other cool entertainment games on the iPhone, which uh, I've been playing, such as uh, Pangea's Bugdom 2. Yeah, I saw that as that was. I remember playing Bugdom on the iMac. Yep. And I am very curious to find out next oh, yeah. week, Sam, how Bungdom 2 works on the iPhone because that might be something I'm going to have to pick up. I don't know. David, David will buy this. It, it is really <laughs> well done. Really well done. I'm, I mean, Pangea just does stellar products, and uh, they don't fall short on the iPhone. You know, you can use the accelerometer for doing many things that you had to use your mouse before. Now you just, you know, tilt and the the little bug runs crazy. I, I think it's pretty cool. His name is Sam Levin. He's the arbiter of all things cool, and you can hear him every week right here on the MyMac Podcast. We'll talk to you next week, Sam. Hey, thanks, guys. And we're back with, uh, let's see, we've got David Cohen, Guy Searle, and Rich Lefko left, and me, Tim Robertson. Yay. First, let's talk a little bit about our sponsor this week, Mac Sales or Otherworld Computing, if you will. The product I picked this week is a battery charger slash conditioner. This is kind of important if you guys have more than one battery for your laptop and you want to keep it in you know good condition, ready to go. This is something that you're probably going to want to look at. Uh, it starts around 149 bucks, but it, it actually conditions your battery, which means you're going to get a lot more life out of your battery. Have you guys ever used a conditioner for your laptop batteries? I wish I had one. 
because I've got two the MacBook Pro I'm talking to you on now. I've got two batteries. I've got the uh, the original one that came with it. I've got the one that's in there now, which is a replacement, and then I've got another one that's been sat in a shelf for the last six seven months. And you know, in fact, I was thinking just the other day I should really swap them over because otherwise, next when I do come to use that extra battery, it's just going to be dead because it's never been used. Yep. Yep, this will, uh, you know, it's basically maintenance for your battery. And for laptop users, that's real important, especially if you're taking these things out on the road. You you want this thing to work when it's ready to go. And I think that this is something that if you are a heavy-duty, take the laptop with you wherever you're going, you know, like we go to Macworld every, every year, guy. Yeah. If we had one of these, it'd probably save us a lot of time and energy just being able to, hey, I've got a whole another battery right here. You don't have to worry about getting down to the media room to plug in and recharge for a half hour before you make your next stop. It'd come in handy. Well, the other, thing, the other thing that people need to realize is that, especially this product here, will charge and recondition two batteries at the same time. So, Absolutely. So you don't need to you know, have one in the charger and one in your laptop. You know, When you get done at the end of the day, you plug this thing in, you put your two batteries in, you go to sleep, you wake up the next morning, you've got two fully charged, reconditioned batteries. Now, you want to pick this up at otherworldcomputing.com. We'll have a link on the website on show number 203. It's the Newer Tech's Intelligent Battery Charging Station. So, uh, Rich Lefko. Yes, sir. We, we've kind of beaten you up on the show in the past about being not being a uh, iPhone user. <laughs> that you've you've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and we kind of gave you a hard time about that. But my understanding is now you're actually looking ahead and uh, going to buy one. I would. I tell you, I would have bought it last week, but uh, for me to get to an Apple store, it's just no Apple stores in, in New Hampshire. There aren't any stores in New Hampshire, so. I thought they were opening up one in um, in at the, that big Maine mall that's right there on the border. Yeah, but Christ, that's up in Maine. I mean, that's that's over two and a half hours away. So, so we're not close yeah. to that. I mean, there is one in New Hampshire. It's in Salem, New Hampshire, but it's on the other side of the state. You know, it's it's in an area where I I, I travel rarely. So I go. To, I I work now in Massachusetts, so I, I do go down there, and there are Apple stores that are not far from where I work. The problem, though, is who wants to pay the Massachusetts sales tax? There's no sales tax in New Hampshire. Ah, so you're a cheapskate. (laughs) (laughs) So if you bought one online, Rich, would you have to pay sales tax then? No, I could get away with not paying sales tax. Really? But, you know. Most of the places I buy online, they charge Michigan sales tax now. Yeah, but there's no sales tax in New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Well, yeah, that's true. Okay, I got you. So, but, uh, you know, I want to touch one. You know, I want to touch, touch. Yeah. Hmm. So I'd, I'd like to touch one first before I buy it. I, you know, I'd, re- I, you know, it's really not necessary. Trust me, because <laughs> well, once you do, I mean, once you go touch, you never go back. I mean, it's it sounds corny, but it really is true. You see some of these other phones that kind of have the the iPhone, the iPod Touch uh, look to it, and you kind of want to, as an iPhone user, I kind of want to just kind of start touching the screen and making things happen, and nothing happens, and you're like, oh, this is crap. <laughs> well, now, what about what about Best Buys or AT and T stores? Well, I have uh, I have a Best Buy in uh, in Nashua, which is uh, which is a place that I can hit, but they haven't had anything. And uh, the only thing I've got out here is a Circuit City, and they don't carry anything. No, they don't carry it. Yeah. Well, they're going to be out of business here pretty soon, yeah. anyways. 
I wouldn't want to buy, you know, any kind of a major purchase from a company who I know for a fact is going to be shuttering their doors here pretty soon. And uh, I don't think so. I'd rather go oh, to Best Buy I, or yeah, or Comp USA. You know. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm, yeah, there's I'm another one. Hey, I, I, I bought that MacBook at Comp USA in San Francisco last January. I've been really pleased with it and uh, saved a bundle. So yeah, well, how, yeah. how much was good for me? I, I had forgotten about that. how much did you save on that with that store closing. I paid. Uh, I think it was the it was the middle of the of the it of was the, the middle of middle of the line. So um, I th- it should have been about fourteen hundred dollars, I think, and I paid uh, just about about thousand fifty. Wow, that's so, not a bad saving nice. at all. And well, nice. and, the, and obviously I, I was I was you know I was paying for it in pounds. Um, because it was on my uh, UK credit card, so with a two dollars, so it's even cheaper. Two dollars to a pound, uh, I, I saved an absolute bundle over what I would have paid for it over here. So I was awesome. So I, if, if Circuit City go out of business, I'm booking a plane ticket. <laughs> they are going out of uh, business eventually. Everybody is, I think. Even Apple eventually will go out of business. You know, I saw a. Uh, do you guys have Centennial Wireless where you where you're at? Not me. No. No. No, no. It's probably something here towards uh, West Michigan area. I don't know, but we have this company called Centennial Wireless. I've never used them myself, and uh, they'll probably be bought out by one of the bigger boys here in no time. Um, but they have an ad running on because you know they're obviously they're not selling the iPhone, but they know how popular the iPhone is. So they have this big deal right now that you come in, you get the top of the line flip phone. And then they'll also give you for free an iPod Touch, so you can have the best of both worlds. <laughs> I'm curious about I thought, thirteen different deal. devices. You know, I, I thought that that's not actually a bad idea. I mean, they they can't have an iPhone, but the iPod Touch looks just like an iPhone practically, especially to the uneducated buyer out there. So they walk in, they say, "We'll sell you this phone, and then we're going to give you this," and they show them the iPod Touch. If if I if I didn't have an AT and T iPhone already, I might be considering that. I mean, I, I get a cheap cell phone, or actually, it wasn't even a cheap cell phone. It was a pretty decent one, and I think it's uh, I think it was like eighty bucks or maybe one hundred twenty bucks for the phone, and you have to sign a two or three year contract, and they give you the iPod Touch. I thought that was pretty cool. I think that yeah. sounds like a great deal. I, and I, they're they're capitalizing on the popularity of the iPhone with the iPod Touch. I, I thought it was brilliant myself. Oh, do you have sales tax there? Yeah, 6%. Oh, too bad. Well, we like our roads, you know. Hey, we have great, We have better roads here than Massachusetts, let me tell you. I'm sure you have better roads there than we do here. Our roads are horrible. Horrible. Hey, guy, Anyways. hey guy tell me, what's going on with D.C.? I mean, I flew down there, and I thought to myself, I'll go to, an, I'll go to an Apple store in D.C. I'll be able to just walk out of the hotel and go find one. And there aren't right. any. You're They're all in Virginia or other places. Yeah, well, there's there's none in Washington D.C. proper. Uh, relatively close to the city, there's the one in Clarendon, which is uh, just a little bit west of Roslyn, which is just over the bridge. Uh, Tyson's Corner has a store. There's one in Pentagon City, just over the bridge, and there's one I think out in uh, Fair Oaks Mall, which is like way out west of uh, where anybody is. But nothing right in downtown. I was amazed. No, nothing in downtown. There, uh, Washington D.C. is just not classy enough for an Apple store. I guess not. Huh. So uh, the big news of the week, as far as iPhone users go, or developers, anyway. Oh yeah. Apple finally turned off the NDA. Sort of. And this is sort of. 
Quoting from Apple directly, we have decided to drop the non-disclosure agreement NDA for released iPhone software. We put the NDA in place because the iPhone OS includes many Apple inventions and innovations that we would like to protect so that others don't steal our work. It has happened before. While we have filed for hundreds of patents on iPhone technology, the NDA added yet another level of protection. We put it in place as one more way to help protect the iPhone from being ripped off by others. I like how they put ripped off right there in the... <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. Are you telling me that, that people have actually stolen ideas from Apple? I I can't think of a one. No, I'm... <laughs> However, the NDA has created too much of a burden on developers, authors, and other interested in helping further the iPhone success, so we are dropping it for released software. Developers receive a new agreement without an NDA covering released software within a week or so. Please note that unreleased software and features will remain under NDA until they are released. Thanks to everyone who provided us constructive feedback on this matter. <laughs> what do you think, David Cohen? Uh, I think it's a good PR move. I, I, it's unclear from what I've seen so far whether this, um, because it's only for uh, release, it's only for release software. Um, I don't know what that means in terms of how developers can talk to each other, which obviously was the big complaint most of them had about the NDA was that they couldn't, you know, they were each developer was having to reinvent the wheel themselves for anything they want to do in their application rather than be able to share code or share ideas about methods of doing things. So uh, I, I don't know. I don't know whether these changes uh, in the NDA status help them in that regard or not. But certainly, I think it's a you know, bearing in mind that Apple has been taking some heat from a, a very small minority of developers about, um, you know, app, application rejections and that sort of thing. It's probably a very good PR move to actually do this. It does say right there in, in the, it's not really a press release because it's up on their website, but it says, uh, let's see, however, the NDA has created too much of a burden on developers, authors, and other interested and others interested in helping further the iPhone success. And it puts authors right there, which tells me, and I, and I actually talked to Bill Dundee earlier today, because uh, as we all know, listening to earlier podcasts, he had an iPhone developer's book coming out that they had to cancel just a couple weeks ago because the NDA was still right. in place. They couldn't release this book. This allows them to publish their book finally. He's very excited about it uh, for good reason, obviously. Mm. So this tells me that it, it sounds like the NDA is really going to cover only those apps and developers who have products that hasn't been released yet, or and Apple doesn't, or rejected, and Apple don't want you going out there and and bitching about it. But on this, uh, the uh, the flip side of that is, not very sophisticated iPhone developers are now going to have uh, a treasure trove of content that they can access, books, postings on the internet to help them program, or develop their own, or develop on the iPhone. I, that's the way I see it, anyways. Do you disagree, Guy? Uh, no, I don't disagree. I, I think um, that that part of it was a good move. That you know, there's there's a lot of people out there that want to give this a try, but but without a kind of a leg up, they're they're you know they're just not going to be able to do it. But oh, with I, the support I, community, right? I I think David is correct though that this is mostly a PR move, um, considering that they still can't you know the, the people who have their apps rejected still can't talk about it. The people that are developing their apps and, and need a little bit of help, they can't talk about it. So I, I don't really see this as, as being the, the fix. The fix will be when developers can talk to one another whether or not they've got a uh, an app live or not. 
Hmm. Interesting. So, anybody else got any big Mac news this week? I, I saw that you were talking about a game before we actually went live, Guy. What's this game you were talking about? Oh, yeah. This is from a company called uh, Virtual Programming, and you can find it at uh, www.vpltd.com. It's called Flat Out 2. Now, this is, as far as I can tell, this is the first game of this type, uh, or I should say of this series that's been released on, on the Mac. There was a, a Flat Out one obviously that was available for the you know the Xbox and the consoles and the PC, but this is now out for Macs. And you know, like I was saying before the show, it kind of reminds me in a way of a, a great game I used to play uh, under OS nine called Carmageddon, which was truly bloody. Now, one of the yeah. one of the cool things about this game is if your car gets like just totally mangled and wrecked, your body actually flies out the windshield. And they have the, these mini-games where y- you use that body to play darts or go bowling or, you know, fly through fly through flaming hoops. And, and it just looks really... You know, as soon as the podcast is, is over, I'm going to download it and check it out. You, you mean just like this a is mutant re- DC, huh? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So this is, this, this is definitely highbrow entertainment then, Guy. Oh, certainly. What else would I get? <laughs> yeah, it sounds a lot like uh, uh, Grand Theft Auto 4. Where if you're driving really fast and you sit, hit a uh, stationary object, your character will literally fly through the front window. And uh, depending on if there's any traffic around, you, you might get back up. But, <laughs> but probably uh, not. But probably not. And the <laughs> graphics and the, and the physics engine of that is just amazing. I mean, you know, when I first learned about that, I was purposely, you know, going 120 miles an hour and, and clipping ball. the side of a... Yeah, yeah. And my guy would just go... And he would literally scream. <laughs> and he'd go flying out the window and... It was really cool if you could do it just right with like uh, the, the center partitions down the middle of like a highway or something. Right. If you could hit it just right and launch your guy right at oncoming traffic, that was awesome. Because he he would just get hit by the other cars and go flinging through the air, and you know the whole screen would kind of go black and white and gray, and that's what happens when you die in the game. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. Well, this this, this, looks, this looks like a really really kind of cool game. It's about forty bucks US, and it looks like it's uh, about forty euros or about thirty pounds, depending on you know where you're at. I also saw that Call of Duty Four was released this week for the Mac. Oh, really? Is that another yeah. one released with uh, cider? Uh, yeah, yeah I, I'm pretty sure that most of the games coming out now are cider and they'll be Intel um, only compiled games. Yeah, Intel only. I think, and we talked about this a little bit as well. I think that. Um, pretty much from this point on, at least as far as games are concerned, they're all going to be Intel only. Spore well, not necessarily, is not necessarily Intel only. Just the ones that are um, ported over from the PC. Yeah, no, I think they're all going to be guy at this point because uh, the G series of computers are what at least two years old now. At least. I, yeah, and I think that most of the people who are going to buy games on the Mac probably stay up to date pretty good with their computers. So it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense for developers to to develop for the PowerPC architecture that's long since dead as far as Apple's concerned. And also the graphics cards in those computers are, are really, you know, they're quite, they're not very powerful by today's standards. Right, so, exactly. So that, you know, even if they were to rebuild the games from scratch for a, for a G4, um, they would struggle on the graphics front from the uh, from the cards that are in those machines. 
And economically, it really doesn't make any sense to keep supporting such old computers. It, it really doesn't. I think from this point on, if you don't have an Intel Mac, you're probably not going to get any more games for it. Probably just not. not. There might be some shareware stuff out there that you can still pick up, but quality gaming, it's all going to be Intel Macs now. I have yeah. my hand up there. I'm I, I'm still with my G5, and I'm I'm realizing that uh, I'm going to have to move it to uh, move up to Intel uh, at some point soon. Here, look, Snow, Snow Leopard won't even run on uh, anything not Intel. No. So, no. Well, the that's thing, that's the, what they're saying. I mean, they. I, yeah. I mean, I haven't heard anything official from Apple on that, but it, it just makes sense. Yeah. It, well, and, and I think they have to at this point. You you got to leave the past in the past. The thing is, Rich, is that um, you know, I mean, the G5 uh, G5 Max were. You know, particularly the dual process ones were really powerful machines, but the Intel's just absolutely run rings around them. Even a MacBook will run rings around, uh, you know, the G5s. The old, yeah, or the or uh, the old G4 PowerBooks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Look, I, you know, I, it, I love. I love my MacBook, you know, uh, so I do have an Intel MacBook, you know, yeah. but it doesn't have the graphics oomph no. that you need to run this stuff. Yeah. No, the integrated graphic chips of the MacBooks. Are pretty skimpy. Well, yeah. according to what I'm seeing here, uh, they're saying flat out two will work with the Intel GMA. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Really? Yeah. Cool. The, uh, the X the X thirty one hundred it is. So it's the later MacBook. It was the re- the re- the revised MacBook, not the uh, not the first gen MacBooks. With, right. With the GMA nine fifteen. So, um, but right. yeah, apparently it will. Yeah, I think I think that if you're if you're not on an Intel Mac. You might seriously want to consider making the switch fairly soon because the writing is on the wall, folks. I know that those old machines are still going strong. They still, you know, you can use them for almost everything else. You can use Photoshop on them. You can use, you can browse the internet. You can check your email. You can instant chat. You can do all that stuff. You know, I Band, iLife. Yeah. yeah, you could do all that stuff. But more and more, at least from this point on, uh, just say at 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 2009, just assume. Oh, whoever's doing that, stop. Whoever's doing, who, uh... <laughs> Lost your train of thought? Yeah. S- sorry, that bit. was me. Yeah. Anybody who's developing anything for a Mac, from this point on, say 2009... It's going to be Intel It's only. going to be Intel yep. only. Yeah. And don't get upset if your favorite application comes out and it's not PowerPC compatible. Because you just can't expect everyone to continue to support two, three, four-year-old machines. It's it's really not fair to the developers and you just need to move up. And also, that being also said, remember that, that that you know it's not like with the PC market where Microsoft purposely includes programming within Windows to keep compatibility with software that goes back to you know the Stone Age. Well, they can they can af- kind of afford to do that because they have such a huge market. The Mac is a much smaller market. It's much more focused. And when Apple moves on, you know, when they moved on from the 68,000 to PowerPC and now the PowerPC to Intel, you know, you just got to eventually just, you know, bite the bullet, get the new software, get the new machine. But the, the building in such backwards compatibility guy is not is necessarily a good thing. Well, no, and it leads to a lot of instability on On PCs. the Windows side, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Be accepting some donations at rickshell at mymac.com. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Help me absolutely. help me get to Intel. Well, you're you're there already on the on the laptop side, so you just got to worry about getting you, Now, let me ask you, uh what's what's the PowerPC you got? Is it a G5? It's a G5 Dual 2. Okay. 
Are you interested in moving to an iMac next on the Intel, or do you want to go with a Mac Pro? No, I want to go with a Mac Pro. I like sticking stuff in my Mac. Yeah, I, I, I like, <laughs> yeah, I like adding cards and hard drives and all that kind of stuff. I, 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 I I've always uh, had a fear of buying an all-in-one. You know, I think if the screen goes, then what do you do? If you know, if if, if, if the drive goes, what do you do? I, I just, I'm just not a fan of all-in-one anything. Mm-hmm. I understand. Uh, it took me a while to get there myself. I just kept. The last machine that my tower was a G5, and that mo- that's the one with the uh, bad motherboard in the basement, which I keep. I kind of want to fix, but I keep thinking, yeah, for the amount of money that it would just, it doesn't make any sense to to replace the motherboard in it. But I'm quite happy with my iMac, the 24 inch iMac. I mean, it's fast, it's, it's reliable. Um, I've got it, it supports dual monitors, so it's got the 24 inch screen, screen built in. But I've also got the 23-inch cinema display sitting right next to it. Oh, look! I, I think uh, I think they're great. Don't 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 misunderstand me. I think they're great, and, and I mean, I've looked at them at the store and I played with them. But like, I I want to stick an eSATA card in there. You can't do that on that machine. No, nope, sure can't. Nope. So, and what other technologies are coming along where I can add a PCI card? Uh, you know, you can't do that in an iMac, and and I like to mess around with that. But, you know, and I've noticed this at least in the, on the Mac side, not as much yet on the PC side. But more and more, it seems to me that you're not seeing a lot of call for peripheral cards. A lot of, hey, I need to stick this inside my Mac because it's, you know, that's the way, only way you can do it. I'm seeing more and more of these peripherals are either FireWire or more commonly USB 2. Um, at least that's you know when you go into a computer store, almost everything nowadays is it's USB. That's how you connect this particular thing to the computer. But when you go to the very expensive stuff, the eSATA stuff, then you know, yeah, I need a, a an extra bay inside the computer to put this very expensive drive in there. But I think for the most common user, an iMac is just probably more than they're going to need for the next five years. I think I'm just, I'm just uncommon. Yeah. Well, I guess my only complaint about iMacs is that you can't easily replace the hard drive. You can't put more storage in it unless you're ah, well, let, let, Let's go there for a minute, Guy. You wrote an article up at MyMac.com. Right. And who are you and where is Steve Jobs? Let's talk about that a little bit <laughs> because David Cohen wrote, um, commented on that article. So let's talk about that a little bit. Sure. You go first, Guy. What, what, was, the art, what was the first thing that you talked about? Uh Basically, I, I was talking about some of the problems that uh, that Apple's had of late. Uh, I talked very briefly about the stock dropping, you know, losing. I think it ended up being about twenty two percent over the course of about a week, but that wasn't really what the article was about. Uh, I started off by by you know when when I got into the guts of it, I was talking about when Apple released the iPhone three G. At the same time, they had you know released the App Store and Mobile Me and the 2.0 software, and none of it went like it was supposed to. You know, Steve stood up there and talked about all these great things you could do, and none of it worked. None of it really worked the way he said it was going to. They still don't have push, real push, for the iPhones. Nope, they sure don't. And it it just seems like they they were trying to to bite off a little bit more than they could chew. Now, the, the other part of that is also they delayed... Leopard for the original iPhone by six months. When they finally did release Leopard, kind of the same thing happened. There were problems 
with .Mac. There were problems with Back to My Mac. There were problems with Stacks. There was problems, problems, problems. And it, it, it almost seemed like they got so distracted by the iPhone that they kind of forgot their core business. And from there, the article started talking about, you know, the Apple TV, that Steve has kind of just downgraded it to a hobby, which I think is mostly just for PR. Um, it, it just seemed to me... Well, he did that when he when it first came out. But he, at the last Macworld Expo, they didn't talk about it as a hobby uh, device. They, they gave it very serious attention. With the Apple TV? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they said 2.0 was the was the big change. They said one point, the 1.0 1. version they thought was a hobby, but the 2.0 was all about. You okay, know, but that's, learnt, that's but software. That's software. That's not hardware. Apple, software, Apple's, yeah, Apple's known for, and this is where they make their money. Apple makes their money on hardware. And the, yeah. software, the device itself, so, the physical device, didn't change. It's just a, a small OS. Exactly. It's just a small OS with a hard drive. That you could connect to your TV to watch your the content that you buy in iTunes. It's a way to bring your movies and television shows that you're right. already purchasing your digital on content, iTunes into your, your living room. Content into your living room. Yep, okay. your music, your pictures, all that. All right. Why do I have to have iTunes running on my computer in order for the Apple TV? And I don't have one for the Apple TV to see my iTunes content. It's all sitting there on a hard drive that. You know, once once you point the Apple TV to wherever that content is, it should just be able to play it. Well, if it's on the Apple TV, obviously but, it doesn't right. need, and you can sync with a 160 gig hard drive in the machine, which is not that in the big. Apple TV. Let's face it, you know, it's not that big. No. But uh, I, I challenge you to to fill that up and, and tell me that you don't have enough content to watch. I bet yeah, I can fill it really easy. Well, you you can fill it, but you but you'd have you'd have probably a, a weeks of con- weeks of continuous content on there. I mean, Absolutely. you know, people like to, you know, it's it's the same same with the iPads. People like to fill these things up, so they've got the comfort factor of knowing that the stuff is there on a hard drive. But the, you know, they're not actually going to sit down and watch it like in all one one great big block, and then get to a point where they say, "I haven't got anything to listen to. I haven't got anything to watch." It's just all about the choice. Okay. So and what's the difference? Well, well, let's stop here for a second. Okay. What What's the difference between that hard drive running on the machine? with the content on it, with your iTunes content, and iTunes itself running, what's the difference? Where's the drawback of having one application running on your Mac opposed to that application not running on the Mac if you're in the other room watching the Apple TV? I, Why is that a drawback? I just lost everything you just said. I didn't hear it. Okay. Okay, let me try it again. What's the difference if your Mac is running mm-hmm. with that hard drive plugged in, and that's where all your media is, right? Right. Why? What? What's the big deal with iTunes running or not running? Why is that a drawback in your opinion? I just think that it, it's it's sloppy. It's not it's not elegant. Apple is known for elegance. Apple is known for pushing the envelope. Apple is known for having solutions that anyone can easily do. Anyone can easily adapt and just move in with it and and taking something like the apple tv frankly i think the apple tv it's it's a nice product don't get me wrong i do kind of like the concept but i I don't think they took it far enough i think that it should have been more along the lines of a media center instead of a uh, what's the word i'm looking for instead of instead of just being there to take your itunes stuff and put it on your tv it should so have been the center of your experience as compared to just being another peripheral. You mean like it's a satellite to the... Uh, no, to no, the, uh, not a satellite. 
basically, Rich is saying that's what it is now. Right. Well, that that's exactly what it is now. What I'm saying is, you put you put some you put some inputs on it so that you can take your your DVR or your DVD player or your cable or you know whatever it is that you typically are going to have connected up into your TV goes through Apple TV or whatever it is that, that they would call it, and you adapt front row so that it can easily switch between these inputs. So everything is connected up through the Apple whatever into your TV. You're not juggling multiple remotes. Let's face it, the little chiclet remote control that it comes with is fine for thumbing through front row, but it wouldn't work if it had all the, these other things connected up to it. Um, what, you know, mm-hmm. Apple, you Apple, might be surprised at the intuitiveness of, of the operating system of the Apple yeah. TV, and that's why you'd only need such a small remote. Okay, but let's 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 step back from the detail of the Apple TV. You, okay. What you were kind of saying, guy, was that was that you felt that they'd made a lot of missteps lately, and that there was no dazzle. There was nothing, right. you, you, you know, that, that 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 effectively you felt that their products were. I wouldn't use the word. I wouldn't put the word mediocre in your mouth, but but weren't no. as exciting as they could be. That's kind of the gist of what you were saying. Yes. My argument back to you was. Um, you know, they are constantly, every quarter, hitting the ball out of the park in terms of sales, in terms of revenue, in terms of cash in the bank, in terms of profit margin, in terms of share price. Yeah, And as, and as far as customer satisfaction. Uh, absolutely. They, oh, I, would, I wouldn't argue that. I would not argue that Apple is having amazing success right now. Right, they, okay, okay. Pretty much... Yeah, they've also they've also moved into a sector where everybody thought they would fail, a sector that was dominated by companies that sell hundreds of millions of telephones a year, and everyone thought, how can Apple move into this space? And immediately what they've done is they've dominated the space they've chosen to go into with a massively successful product uh, on the second iteration now. Yeah, okay, well, let's, let's, that, let's, but, not, let's not use the word... Massive because well, no, the, it is iPhone, massive. the iPhone for all of its all of its sales success and, and for all the money that it's making for Apple is not the dominant. It's not uh, even the dominant I dis- smartphone. I disagree. Well, uh, it, no, no, it's the number two behind BlackBerry. Right. Uh, BlackBerry's the market leader. They've pushed Microsoft down to third place. I don't think anybody thought they would do that, right? And they've also. I think they'll announce they've got they've got their next quarterly meeting on the uh, quarterly announcements on October twenty yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. Or I, I I I think you'll find that they've more than exceeded their original sales target for the phone with ten million in in the in the by the end of this year, which which a lot of people said right at the beginning when they got into this, oh that's a tall order. I'm not sure they're going to do that. Okay, I think the problem is a, is a matter of perspective. Those of us who are in the Mac community and are looking at this stuff day to day, we're looking at, at the detail. Yeah, we're very f- much focused on the problems. Me, I, when I came into um, when I came into sort of supporting Apple and getting into Apple, obviously one of the first things I did was I went back and looked over the history. Um, you know, because I came, only came into this what three, three, four years ago. Right. And and looking back through the history, if you look at the history of the PowerBook line, take that for an example. 
pretty much with every single PowerBook they've ever released, there's been some problems with them. The sort of problems that we've experienced this year with MobileMe uh, and the iPhone 2.0 software and that sort of thing, they've taken that sort of negative press on pretty much every PowerBook they've ever released in one form or the other. If you look at the titanium power books, it was the hinges. There was problems with uh, exploding batteries. Some of the Wall Streets had uh, had design problems in. Um, you know, and they, they've always had to spend some time retrenching, recalling a few products, and um, you know, sorting that out. And then normally after the first two three months. Um, you know they've they've got the problems resolved and then they move on from it. And uh, it was the same with the MacBooks. They had the logic board problem. They had logic board problems on the iBooks. They had um, overheating problems on MacBook Pros when they first came out. It's the same sort of thing. It's a it's actually regular order of business. They normally have some issues at some point that they have to resolve. And every time that happens, people are the you know people in the community are going, you know this isn't what we expect from Apple. Uh, they've 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 misstepped here. We expect them to be better than this. I think the other thing is, you you said you you're not seeing the dazzle. What they right. tried very hard to do this year was dazzle, and then they got themselves into trouble with the missteps. I think if they really are in terms of those of us who support them very strongly and follow them very closely, they're kind of damned if they do and damned if they don't. I think if they push ex- push things absolutely to the max and, you know, therefore then make some missteps or have some production problems, then people are ready to turn on them and say, oh, this isn't the experience we expect from Apple. And yet, by the same token, if they, having done that, then say, well, you know, with the new iPods, we're just going to have to do a physical refresh and, and maybe a bit of software tweaks, but we can't push it too much further because, you know, the guys are beat from, from dealing with all of these problems. And people turn around and say, oh, well, you know, it's just, just a new set of iPods. It's not, it's not where's the dazzle. So you know, I, I think I think ultimately, at the end of the day, they look at how the sales are going and how the stock's doing and, and how they're performing against the competitors and say, are we doing enough? And I think they say, yes, we are, we actually are. And uh, I would also go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was, that, that's pretty much that's pretty much my point. They they're they're a dominating force, and I think you know sometimes they will push it to the edge, uh, and and when they push it to the edge and they fail, people turn on them. And so if they don't push it to the edge, then people say, oh, they're, not, they're, they're being too conservative. You know, what can they do? My, uh, what I would ask Guy yes. is what other technology company has the range of exciting products that Apple does right now? Well, that's, that's kind of the point. I mean, look at, look at the MacBook Pro. Changed almost no change since, what, 2001, 2002? The MacBooks aren't really all that much different from the iBooks that replaced it. You know, there's not many companies out there that could gather as much press as Apple could have. On September 9th, they released iTunes 8. They released the new iPod Nano. Okay? It was a big deal. People came around and said, oh, let's, you know, there's got to be something else besides just the stuff we already know about. And there wasn't. That was it. Well, but that's the stuff right. you already know about because people were leaking information. If you didn't know about it beforehand, would it have been more exciting? Okay, how about how about one last thing? Okay, when was there really an exciting one last thing? You know, Steve Jobs isn't an engineer. Steve Jobs isn't a programmer. Steve Jobs. Well, look at the look at the products that they've released this year. The big product at the MacWorld Expo was the MacBook Air. Right. Got a lot of press. A lot of people got excited about it. 
Uh, I personally I, think yeah. it's overpriced for what you get, but agree. a lot of it was it was a lot of excitement to a lot of people. What was the year before that? Uh, year before that, uh, Apple TV. It there yeah. was no. It was it was, it was, it was Apple TV, and it was the iPhone. Well, that the the announcement. I'm talking about products actually released. Well, they released that the year before as well. Was you know, I, guy, I, I think I think we have to remember that Apple is a company, and they're in it to make money. Of course, and, they're in it to make money. There's and, no point. And they've otherwise. got. And they've got a great they they've got a great lineup of products at the moment, and they're making money. They're making plenty of money. And it also costs a lot of money to change up uh, manufacturing for even slightly different case designs. It, that costs a lot of money, and it takes a lot of time. Right. And, and you know what? Um, with the with the Mac with the MacBook Pro, let's use that as a good example. The MacBook Pro is still a damn good looking laptop. And uh, I have I one. Think I would it, agree. I, I still think it, you know, the aluminium cased um, uh, MacBook Pros are the best looking laptops on the market, bar none. They, you know, there is nothing else that comes even comes even close to looking like them. They well, look, I don't know. I've seen a couple of Sony. Yeah, that's. I, I've seen that's. I've seen a couple of Sony Vios that were pretty goddamn sexy. Yeah, but I. And I, in I, fact, I, I'll even say a couple of Dells. I saw a couple of Ferrari red Dells that were like, whoa. Now, of course, as Mac users, we look at it and go, wow, that's freaking cool looking. But it's. We think clunky, slow, it's PC crap. We're not interested. Right, but why do we think that? We think that because it has Windows. Exactly. Yeah, but no, I, it's I, not, I think it's just, not the hardware. Talk, it's not the no, hardware I, that I'm has just, the I'm just talking about the physical design of the laptop now. I'm not talking about what's what's actually running on them. I still right. think, and you know, these things are always a matter of opinion and that sort of thing. But I still think, yep. you know, looking at the MacBook Pro in the aluminium case, that that is a pretty classic design. Now they could have changed it two or three times, as Tim says, they would have spent money on tooling costs uh, and product differentiation. You know, there's that like, oh, I've got my one that. that, that looks older and that sort of thing. Instead, they've kept, you know, a pretty timeless design. I'm sure at some point it will be refreshed. But, I, you know, I, I think one of the reasons they've left is if it is because there's lots of the rest of the market and say it doesn't need to be changed. It, it, you know, it, it's, it's pretty much as, as good, as, virtually as good as it can get. Now, uh, if your, your article also got me thinking, Guy, my impression was that you feel that Apple's done this in the past. They were always an exciting company in the past. But I would challenge you that they really weren't as far as their hardware. Uh, if you look back at the Apple II and moving forward, the designs changed a little bit, but they were still a beige box with a, a rainbow logo on it with a slot for a, a floppy drive. Right. Um, they didn't really change a whole, whole lot. The boxes got bigger with the quadras and, and that sort of thing. Uh, the 9600s, the 9500s, no argument. the Centrus, they were always kind of, they had that look, and they didn't look a whole lot different than the PCs at the time. Right, and, they, how, they, and what, were, and what like were their sales like? Pretty crappy. Right. What changed? Well, a lot of different factors. You can't just say, well, they made them sexy, and that's no, no, why no, they changed. No, 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 but what, what was, you know, where, where did the excitement start to build again? The excitement started to build again when the first iMac was released. When the iMac came out, yeah. Right. Yeah. People started paying attention to Apple. People started going back to the Macworld shows. I mean, what and, other and, and, if and Dell have... if Dell if Dell got the Moscone Center and said, "Okay, we're going to have our product announcements here at the Moscone Center, and we've got all this great hardware to show you," who would come? Nobody, 
because nobody cares. Dell isn't sexy. Apple made computing sexy. They made consumer devices sexy. People are paying attention. They want to see what they're going to do next. And if so all you do not, is give them the same old, same old, they're going to say, "Oh, it's just another." It's just so another they're just not Apple innovating at a but, at a rate fast enough for you, guy. It's not because, it's as not far as I'm not concerned, they're not innovating at a rate fast enough for me. It's that you got to have, and it's like I said in the article, you're holding up, you're holding up this red balloon. Everyone's well, looking at the red balloon. Look at the red balloon, everybody. And then on the other hand, they've got the incredible engineering, they've got the incredible software that goes with it. And they're they're making you watch this red balloon. You're watching the red balloon, and your eyes are bugging out. Ooh, that's so cool! And this is what's getting people excited. This is part of the reason. And the iMac, the original iMac, kind of started this. This is why people started coming back to the platform because the tech world was boring. You know, right. they, and, they, and and they and they've got a they've got a great lineup of products at the moment that are selling like hotcakes off the shelf. The mar- yeah, so, their market sh- the U.S. market share has never right. been higher. It's eight eight point three percent was announced the other day. Right. So, so, so in well, terms no, no, of no, the eight point three percent was talking about that was a percentage of people that were surfing. That that's not market share. That's not that's no that was market share. That was market share. That was that was but that, was, that was that was based on net, out, they net are, applications. Little program where they figure out how many people are surfing the web, so they say, okay, well, this many people were using Macs and this many people were using so PCs. I, I, my, and my, all you have to do is look at how many uh, PCs are being sold right now compared to how many Macs are being sold. Uh, every other PC manufacturer is selling less computers than they were a, a year or two years ago. And Apple's Apple selling, selling more Macs. Selling exactly. more. So I don't understand what your point is. So as a company, uh, wouldn't if you... If you look at the last two years, and Apple has had some great industrial designs that nobody has matched. You look at the iPhone, which was first shown to us a year ago, over a year ago, almost two years ago now. Mm-hmm. And you look at the new cell phones that are coming out that's trying to, to capture that market because Apple is dominating at least in, in mind share, and they're selling over 10 million at this point, probably. We don't know for sure with the exact figures, but we'll know soon. Right. Let's just assume that it's 10 million. So within 18 months, Apple has sold 10 million telephones, and they started at $599. Let's not forget that. Right. Uh, now they're 199 to $299. Uh, all these other companies that's been in the business a lot longer than Apple of trying to come out with these things, like the Android, which... I'm a little excited about the Android as far as the open uh, environment for programming, but the damn phone is but ugly. It's an ugly phone. And it's missing a lot of – it doesn't even have a, a, a freaking 3.5-millimeter jack to plug in headphones. It doesn't yeah. have the ability to play movies on it. Right. I mean, there's a lot of things wrong with it. But that software, let's only look at hardware. There's no other cell phone out there right now that even comes close to the iPhone and sexiness. Nothing. Nothing does. But, There's a couple of potential rip-offs, but the screens themselves, when you turn it on, they're dull. They're kind of faded out. They feel cheap when you pick them up. They're made out of cheap plastic. The buttons feel cheap. And then you pick up an iPhone, and it's like a work of art. Oh, it's a beautiful So when you say Apple's, where where's the sexy, I think Apple's the only company doing that. Where's, where's and the sexy for the last, Mac? Look, if I if I was running a well, company, they just refreshed the iMac line a year ago. If I was running a company a like Apple, I mean, how different how different is it really from from the G5 iMac that was released what three four years ago? Well, it's well, it's, it's a square box. It's, it's it's black and aluminium. It's not got a white case. It looks completely different. Well, that's that, that's the difference between a Bondi Blue iMac 
and a flower power iMac. I, I would disagree. I think I think the uh, the most recent when they moved to the black and only medium, it really sharpened up the design. Uh, I think yeah, really, I think they, I think they do you know, pop off the shelf and, 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 and you know to pick up your point, guy. I, I think when they when they did that when they moved from the white iMac to the black and aluminium, that was a smart move because I think the uh, I'm, I'm looking at a white iMac now, and nice as it is, it is a slightly dated design. The white plastic, you know, white polycarbonate has been and gone, and I think. In terms of um, notebook refreshes, the MacBook is overdue for a new case. I think it needs mm-hmm. a new case. I think they need to move away from the white plastic because I think that's something that's been that's been they've been there and done that. It's played I think, out. You know, they yeah, it's played out. It needs to be changed, and and I suspect that's what they will change. I very strongly suspect that the MacBook Pros will stay fairly much as they are because I, as I say, my, I think their view is that they think that design is pretty much what it should be. And when you look at sales, how many machines that these are, that Apple is selling of these machines, and you look at, you know, how often Apple is refreshing them, I think Apple is very smart not to change it right now, especially in this economy. With the American economy going down the tubes right now, I think the last thing Apple really wants to do is to make huge changes that no one's going to buy, because if it's not something that's a necessity right now, a lot of people are saying, I'm just not going to buy anything right now. I'm just going to I'm going to hold on to my money. I'm going to pull it out of my uh savings account and I'm going to keep it under the mattress because I'm really worried what's going on in the markets. Well, how do you, you know, how do you, how do you great, go ahead, I had a great product lineup like Apple does and I was, you know, selling stuff like mad it was flying off the shelves like like it is for Apple. Why the hell would I change it right now while it's I would wait until down or the economy yeah. picks up, I would continue. I would continue to to innovate in the background, and I would wait till and get the timing right to release the next great thing that's going to wow everybody. And I think I Apple everything selling and, so well, right? And I think all you have to do is look at the nanos. Apple had a really great design with a third generation nano. Everybody liked it, including me, uh, including you, guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we thought the third generation nano was great. Then the little fat nano came out, and we were all like, "Really." A fat nano, okay. Well, actually, it we kind of lived with the it. Second, the second gen to the third gen you're talking about. Okay, whatever. Uh, and then the fat nano comes out, and we're all like, we're not really all that excited about it. It still sells a lot, but Apple sees that it's not as popular as the, the previous generation as far as form factor. So what do they do? They go back to that design Basically, the the new ones look like the older ones do. And anecdotally, uh, even though you know, from a from a tech refresh and from an enthusiast point of view, I think a lot of us were a bit underwhelmed by the nano announcement. I have been speaking to lots of people who say they think it looks fantastic and they're thinking about buying one. People oh, who it you is, know, I, I did I did the review yeah. on it. My kids my yeah. kids each have one, and it's yeah. a, it's so much better in the way it looks. And you know, I mean, shake the shuffle, eh, okay, whatever. But the cover flow looks great, you know, for however useful that's going to be. It it's it is a great sexy design, and this is what I'm talking. About. This is how people. This is how Apple got people excited about the the uh, the iPod Nano again. They made it sexy. They didn't really but, make but that much my... change other than they added a little bit of they added a little bit of memory. You know, they doubled the memory from four and eight to eight to sixteen. But if they had done that with the, the previous design, it would have been uh, okay. It's just another you know product refresh, and we're going to move on. But they didn't. They they changed it so that it looked like a different type of design. Well, 
we're going to give you the last word because uh, we're all ganging up on guys. That's so okay. You get the last word on this guy. Okay, Apple needs the sexy. A- Apple needs the sexy. The only the, the way that, that I mean, their, their growth has been phenomenal over the last couple of years. But there's a lot of people that are kind of standing on the fence saying, well, you know, money is tight. We're not sure what we're going to do. How do you get those people to buy new computers? Not by giving them what they had before. No, by contributing is, to his, rich. Nah, I, 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 last word. Last word. His email is gsurl1. <laughs> G-S-E-R-L-E one. with the number one at, at Mac.com. Yeah, at that. <laughs> That's all. Bring it on. Send, send your, your hate, uh, mail. hate mail to Guy. <laughs> Let's uh, talk quickly about what's going on up at the website before we wrap up the show. Uh, the last thing that was posted after the last podcast was your fourth generation nano review, guys. So your kids really like it, huh? Oh, they love it. As a matter of fact, they, they, they don't have it. them right now because they're misbehaving. <laughs> well, hey, you know, I found that having the, the older girls have laptops, MacBooks, it's a great deterrent when they're naughty. Yep. You know, you, you want me to take that computer away? My daughter, I posted this up on Twitter, um, our uh, 13-year-old was bored one night and on her MySpace page she posted I'm bored give me a call and put her cell phone number on the and uh, unfortunately for her I happened to be on the computer downstairs with uh, MySpace open and I saw that within five minutes and within the next two minutes it was off of MySpace and the cell phone was threatened to be taken away forever along with the computer. I don't think we're going to have that problem again. Nope. <laughs> no. As you do not ever, ever, ever post your phone number and blah, blah, blah. I, actually, I didn't have to say much to her because I told my wife and whoo. Oh, I think, I think she, I, I think she would have wished I would have came up and talked to her first after that. Uh, we had a, a special report, um, from Photokina, uh, Frank. Limbacher. Uh, Limbach, Limbacher uh, sent us a report. That was really cool. Uh, John Nemo set that up. And it was kind of, uh, I, I wasn't really familiar with this event. I knew of it, but I never really followed it much. And Frank did a, a nice article with a couple pictures up there, and it was really, really interesting. Um, I, it's, it's nothing that I would be uh, going to myself, and it was in Berlin. Uh, but it looked very interesting. It's something that uh, I think our, our readers would probably get a kick out of. And this is, only happens every two years, it seems. And uh, Frank is with uh, Boinks, Boinks TV, B-O-I-N-X TV. So check that out. Very interesting. Um, let's see here. Uh, David Weeks, you had a review of Adobe Acrobat 9 Professional. Uh, uh, yeah, I did. Uh, and, um, you know, and Ac- Acrobat... Cohen. <laughs> David Weeks, David Cohen. There's too many Davies on this site. Um, Ac- Acrobat is a yeah. The kind of some of the review about Acrobat is a great program. And what you know, this there's some really good new features in this, and they really are pushing the you know the 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 idea behind PDF and what it can do quite a long way. Um, so you know, as a product, as a standalone product, it's fine. I do have a bit of a problem in the pricing. You know, if you're not in the industry where you need this as part of your workflow, it's kind of expensive. And, um, you know, I, I, I had to mark it down a little bit for that because it's 500, uh, $500, $450 yeah. for uh, Acrobat 9 Professional, which is, you know, quite a lot of money for a single now piece of software. That's a lot of, of money. Yeah. 
Absolutely. There is. And, uh, you know, CS4 has been announced this week, and the pricing for that, if you look at the top end versions, is, you know, more than a MacBook Pro. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm just a bit concerned. You know, Adobe, the way they do some things, you know, you go to the Adobe website and they always kind of push you towards the top end bundles, uh, and don't tell you that the stuff below unless you actually go and click on the right button. Um, and also, you know, some, somewhat annoyingly, they're kind of, um, mixing up all the Windows and Mac stuff together. And it's not always obvious that only Windows versions are available of certain things. So, uh, you know, they're, they're being like, you know, you can, you can get away with that when you're the market leader. Well, I, and the industry standard. I guess so, but it's even so, it's not very nice. Is yeah, it? I, I agree. David Weeks did a review of a Shure headphones sound isolating SE102 MPA. Blah 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 blah. He gave it a three out of five, which I was kind of surprised about. Shure usually makes just really really great headphones, and he marked this one down, so I was kind of surprised. Uh, David, or I'm sorry, Owen Rubin did a. Kenningston wireless mouse with nano receiver. That was interesting. I like a wired mouse myself, especially if you're having problems with your computer and you need to eject a disk right. at startup. Uh, I don't know if the listeners all know how to do that, but if you reboot your machine and you want the disk to eject via DVD or CD, just hold down the mouse button and that will eject on startup. And you can't do that with these wireless mice because they're not activated at startup. Right. And last but not least, uh, Rich Lefko. Hey, I like his you stuff. Gotta, every, everybody here but me had a review this week. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah. uh, what is this Super 2.3? What is this thing? It's a. Uh, uh, it's kind of a. It's like a speaker phone that connects up to your phone through Bluetooth. Connects up to your cell phone, and uh, all you have to do is, uh, you know, say. All you have to do is literally say okay or answer. And it will answer your phone for you, and you can just talk without having you know to hold the phone up to your ear or anything like that. So I tell you, I really love this thing. Uh, sound quality is really good. You can hear it going down the road well. The, the sound quality was, uh, I thought it was definitely good, and it, it's got a volume button on it too, so you can hit it up and down. And I think that people are really going to have to start looking at these devices uh, in the very near future in a lot of different states here in the United States because uh, California, for instance, passed a no holding a phone to your ear while you're driving law. Yeah, you can't use your way. cell phone. Virginia's is Virginia way. the same way? Yeah. Uh, so hands-free is going to be the only way you're going to be able to use a telephone yes. uh, in phone in cars here real soon. And this thing was like- really this thing was really cool. It worked uh, uh, very well. It, it hooked up with the phone almost flawlessly. It was easy. How, how does it charge or what's the power? The power, it, it comes with a, an AC adapter that you can uh, uh, charge it up with in the house. But it also comes with a uh, an adapter for the car. Well, for the cigarette lighter? Yeah, it comes with a cigarette lighter. But the, the I'll tell you, I had it in my car for two weeks and I was picking up calls with it. And I brought it in the house just to charge it anyway. I mean, it, it didn't run out of power at all, even though I had it on uh, most of the time. It's rated for 800 hours of standby? I'm telling you, it, it, it has a lot of battery power in it. And when I was talking on it, it never ran out of power at all. It's a, but the clarity, I mean, it, you can really hear. Does it sound better than if you hold the phone up to your ear, or is it about the same? I would say it's tough, but I would say it's the same. Yeah? Yeah, I would say it's hmm. the same. Yeah, people that I, I... Well, it's Bluetooth, so it's going to work with the iPhone as well. Right, and I spoke with uh, uh, you know, a variety of people, and I asked them, you know, how do I sound? And, you know, some of them I got the, you know, you sound like you're in a tunnel type of thing. But when I talked to a friend of mine who has one built into his Cadillac, he said, you, hmm. you don't sound any different than you do in the Cadillac. You wow. Know, than the Cadillac does. So, 
so I thought that that was a, a, a good uh, recommendation, uh, of, you know, of the sound quality from there. I got to tell you, I like this thing though because it hooks up with your phone. If you have auto dialing on your phone, you can say, you know, call, you know, call Tim. That's the last. That's the one thing that I really do miss about the uh, the iPhone. You know, my last flip phone, I had that voice dialing, and I really got used to it. I hate that the iPhone doesn't have that. Uh, and I do understand that there are a few third-party software out there that will allow you to do that, too. But, again, you have to have that application running for it to work. And if I'm launching that application, I could just dial the freaking phone anyways. Oh, like I said in the um, review, the only downside was the, uh, you know, the mechanical voice on it. It is kind of, you know, it's kind of... Uh, it's hard to describe, but it's it's not as smooth and you know as you would think that uh, they could record nowadays. You know, how much is it? It goes for one. I think it was one twenty nine, but it's around for like ninety nine or less. Hmm. Uh, I've seen it around. Uh, it looks like an interesting product. Up on the uh, blog side, you can read about Bill Palmer finally being a Mac user again, or I'm sorry, an iMac, iMac yeah. user again. That was a good read. I enjoyed that. And um, let's see, he also had a nine in the afternoon. Guys, Thane and I put a, a post up there last week about anybody watching the debate. Um, we won't even get into politics right now. And finally, the last thing we'll talk about before we wrap it up, because we're at about an hour and 15 minutes already. David Cohen, you've got a blog up there called Free Play Product Line, Power Independence. What's this about? Yeah, this is very cool. Uh, uh, probably about six, seven years ago, a British inventor invented a, um, a new type of hand crank for um, charging up a, a radio. And, and this was the, he'd, he'd seen some reports about um, out in Africa, you know, people like to have radios, but it's really hard for them to get batteries for them. Uh, well, and obviously there's no main, yeah, there's no mains power either. So he designed this and, you know, the idea was that, you know, with about five minutes of, of cranking a handle, you would get, you know, a couple of hours of, of radio play and, and, you know, the whole village would have one of these, uh, have one of these, um, you know, these radios. So he formed a company to, to bring this to market, and actually they've released a whole load of stuff for the Western market as well. So they sent me a pile of stuff to have a look at, and they had, you know, they've got uh, flashlights and the radios and, um, you know, even a little thing with a, with a kind of like a car cigarette lighter adapter so you can plug in your, um, your iPod, your iPhone uh, car awesome. adapter to that and then charge it just by cranking the handle. Uh, and they're really, really nice, very well thought out, very well-engineered products. All the flashlights use LED technology, so they're really bright. They last for a long time. And the fact is, you know, you can take these anywhere. You'll never buy another flashlight again because, uh, you know, you'll always be able to crank the handle and charge it up or, or plug it into the mains and charge, in the, charge up the built-in rechargeable batteries. And I was really impressed with them. I thought they were really nice. And, uh, again, that's up on the blog side of MyMac.com, so go up there and check that out. And uh, last thing I'll say before we wrap up the show this week, uh, we are going to Macworld Expo this year. Hopefully I'll be there. I'm, I'm 90% sure I will be, but you never know. Something could happen. Uh, we're looking at doing the Apple Quiz at multiple booths this year, and the Apple Quiz is going to be a little bit different. For those who listened to us at the Mac, last Macworld Expo, the quiz was we asked some questions, and you had to answer so many questions, or if you get some wrong, blah, 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 blah. We're going to do a little bit different this this time. It's going to be uh, very visual. We're going to show you a close-up of a Mac product, and you have to figure out what that Mac product is. Well, I should say Apple product because it is. it could be an iPhone. It could be the battery cover of an iPod. Who knows? Uh, but it's going to be like extreme close-ups of products, and you have to guess what that product is. A little bit different than last year, Guy. Yeah, well, I, and what we did last year was... 
It was it was a lot of fun. I, I especially liked it when you know people would be standing there like I have no idea how yeah. to answer this question. And these are and people, the funny thing is, yeah, there were we some Apple that people would, there too that that didn't. Yeah, know. yeah. Well, I I think we had like three different actual Apple employees, and uh, it just weren't these weren't Apple employees that worked you know at retail. These are engineers and, yeah. and product managers, and they couldn't answer some of the questions that we had. And I I honestly thought that. A lot more people would get these right than than did, so we're going to change it up a little bit this year. We're going to make it a little bit more exciting, a little bit more fun. Um, we're probably going to be at four different booths if we're lucky, uh, but I know for a fact that we're going to be at least one booth, and that was a booth that we were at last year. Joseph. That's ProSoft Engineering. ProSoft Engineering. Right. Another change for the MyMac crew: we're all going to have uh, I don't want to say uniforms, but we're all going to have MyMac shirts on. So you'll be able to spot a MyMac uh, staff member. From a mile away, we'll hopefully, all have the same shirt. Hopefully, on. this year I'll remember to bring my business cards. Absolutely, that would be a nice thing yeah. to have when you're at the Macro Expo. Yeah. Um, so, if your company is interested in us coming to your booth, let me know, Tim at mymac.com. We're already talking to four companies, and we're only going to do four this year. So, if one of these other companies don't go for it, there's still a chance that we could come to your booth. It's going to be a lot of fun. It draws a big crowd. Uh, we do videos of it and uh, audio podcasts. We'll actually do interviews with your company uh, as part of, of um, coming to your booth. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of fun at the Macworld Expo. We're going to bring a lot of good coverage. Uh, we'll probably have between, again, 8 to 10 MyMac staff members there. Unfortunately, David Cohen won't be one of them. Nope. Uh, he'll, be, he'll be at home taking care of the wife. Oh, as yeah. her belly gets larger and larger. Oh, yeah. Yep. So that's it for this week, guys. Anything else before we wrap? Yeah, email silence. me. Email me. Ha ha ha. Arr. Rub it in the guy. Get right. him. Get him. I won't necessarily. Rich, I want to thank you for laugh a lot. Yeah, there you go. Rich, I want to thank you for being on this week. It's been a while since we had you on, and it was a pleasure to have you on, man. Hey, thanks for having me. It's always a lot of fun to uh, uh, interact with you guys, and now I don't have to listen to the podcast on my pod. There you go. Hey, hey, David. Yeah. Rich was worried about coming on. He 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 doesn't think he does well on these shows, and I tried to tell him he does great. Uh, he's he's uh, he's just one of the guys. He I think he's right a natural. In. Yeah, absolutely, no problem. Yeah, come on. When it comes to Mac knowledge, you guys are just you guys are tough to beat. I feel like Mr. Spock talking to an amoeba. Yeah. But you know, here's the thing. I don't think our show um, generally doesn't talk over anybody's head. We try to keep it. Yeah, certainly not in my. Uh, <laughs> we try to talk. We try to keep it very everyday Mac users. I mean, I, I think that's our core audience, and I think that uh, that's the people, that's the demographic that I want to talk to. And you know, we could get into a lot more technical detail, especially David and I. But I don't. I don't really think there's a point to it most of the time. I think uh-huh. people want to kind of sit back and enjoy the show, and that's kind of what we're providing. Um, and we want to start doing more interviews again. We've kind of got away with that, away from that in the last couple of weeks. But we're going to get back to that. And uh, just have a lot of fun with the show. So if you guys have any suggestions, we're always open to that. Uh, you can call us and leave a message. Does anybody know the number? Uh. <laughs> I do. It's uh, 1-801-938-5559. Yep, just call it. Leave a message. Um, tell us what you like about the show, what you hate about the show. Any comments on what Guy was saying earlier, we'll play that next week and really rub it in on him. Of course. <laughs> I'll save the best emails and send them to everybody. Cool. So we're out of here. We'll see you next week, and have a great Mac week.
Thanks for downloading the MyMac.com podcast. You can subscribe to this podcast at our RSS feed at MyMac.com or by visiting the iTunes Music Store's podcast section. Please send all feedback to MyMacPodcast at gmail.com. And thanks for listening to the MyMac.com podcast.